Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. Filling in for Ian Carlos Crawford, I'm Meredith Goldstein with the Boston Globe podcast Love Letters. Joining me today... I'm Ryan Houlihan, journalist and drag artist and new YouTuber, if you want to check that out. I'm Kimberly Ann Southwick. And we have with us today Slayer Fest 98 official editor... Ashley Hullett. Hello! Hello. Hello. And before we get into the episode, this is my pitch for everyone to join the Slayer Fest 98 Patreon. I am a member. It gives me free therapy, uh, getting <laughs> together every month to talk about important issues like Angel. And also, uh, Ian is taking on Batman the Animated Series, one of my favorite shows of all time, and I will be on an episode of that. So give some money, get some extra content. It's worth your while. Oh, it's a delight. It's a delight. Getting to do it is a delight, but I also, I listen to every episode. So if you're missing out, it's, it's, it, listen, it's cheaper than Netflix and <laughs> they're supporting better people. <laughs> True enough. So to begin, do we want to talk about whether we like this episode? <laughs> yeah. And I think we're all going to have a variety of opinions on this one. I would say this episode is very high-low for me. I think there are some moments that are such a delight, that are so funny or or or, or cool. Um, and then there's stuff that I'm like, well, that is clunky and not working. But it's okay. It's okay. We're having more fun this season. This season is brighter. This season is tighter. And uh, as as a Monster of the Week episode goes, I you know I have notes, but they're not disqualifying. Kimberly. Yeah, I don't know. I I was excited at the beginning of this episode, having just watched and been on the Darla episode, that we finally are getting the gang all back together, sort of. And it's got this weird sort of opening where we're doing the like flashback Forrest Gump thing. Uh, we're ahead of the game and then we're going to catch back up with it. But yeah, it didn't make me as happy as I wanted it to in the long run. Ashley? Yeah, I... Kind of like what Ryan said, there are like highs and lows. There's a lot of really great pieces of this episode, but when I think of it as a whole, I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just so glad that I watched it in between the episodes it aired in or comes in because I was like, oh my gosh, what like a drop off in the serial plot here. And it just kept reminding me like if I was tasked to write a spec script for a show for Angel, I might come up with this idea and like not execute it that well. I don't know. It just seemed like a real, we got to oh, do this is a spec script. I mean, it's literally a Rick and Morty episode. Right? Like, like what, if we, what if we did oceans? But like what it's, it's, it's like, what if we did this thing that doesn't make yeah. any sense? Yeah. It's like if they did like a fantasy mean girls episode with Cordelia, you're like, I, I kind of see it. Like if a demon made her regress or something, but also like, I, we all know what we're doing. Here. It's a gimmick. Like it's a charmed plot. I mentioned charm for every episode and I derogatorily <laughs> mention it, but it is, it's like a, it's like a conceit, which is fine. Again, some of my favorite, favorite episodes the musical episode i mean come on talk about you gotta have a gimmick but i don't know that they used it to its full potential because they were so busy trying to make this fit into angel rather than just freeing themselves up to do whatever they wanted in a way Mm. like they were so fitted into like making this a gun emotional thing which like i didn't care about at all (laughs) i also didn't like get it like what 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 were we to take away from all of these like I think they thought they were moving the characters ahead, if not our serialized plot. And I'm not necessarily sure what I took away from any of this, but. Unless you're Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're Kate. Please don't let me be. (laughs) (laughs) So where do we begin? We open in a police station. 
right? We've got two mm-hmm. officers talking to someone with their head down. We don't know who it is. Who could it, it could be anybody. It could be Xander. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. So yeah, there's that bit of like, ooh, that they're trying to do. And like, I mean, I don't know. I was less impressed with it than I think they wanted me to be. Yeah, to me, it felt like they were going for like this prestige HBO opening. But like, that's like, I think the whole crew has to be good at that for that to come across like a a Law and Order machine or like Oz that's super stylized for these like law enforcement scenes to work. And I think they realize that and lean out of them and lean more into like lawyer stuff, which is good. But it it doesn't work the way I think they want it to work, especially because they're talking in a way that nobody would talk. Like, Wesley wouldn't speak in Final Fantasy fragments that have been <laughs> translated back from Japanese or whatever. Like, yeah. it, it didn't hit. The way that Wes is talking when we get – so later in the episode when we realize what the Shroud does – I sort of was like, oh, Wesley's under the effect of the shroud. But like at this point, he's not. So he shouldn't be talking like that. (laughs) Well, I didn't know if he had shroud hangover. I'm like, is this like the end of shroud time where he's like still a little bit like, I didn't know. I couldn't see. But he can't. He doesn't seem to like be able to. He did say like you didn't bring it here, did you? But but they didn't. So right. So like. No, it was lit on fire. Yeah. So he's just being emotional or whatever. And maybe this is supposed to be the first we're seeing of Wesley having this like darkness in him, this like confounded final well, it's fantasy. Not darkness, it's like weird stupidity. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I just, it, to me, it's, I think it's supposed to signal how troubled he is, but it just doesn't click. Like he's supposed I, to come yeah. across as like, as like, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Like, like it, like, you know, there's a murder that happened and he's feeling guilt, but it just doesn't click. And also like this murder doesn't mean anything to us yet, especially it definitely doesn't mean anything to me by the end of it, but it didn't at that point. Why would I care? And if you're, if I'm supposed to make an assumption that it's, you know, Cordelia or gone or somebody that died, like if that's the misdirector supposed to be doing that didn't work. I didn't Nope. Yeah, nope. You got to do a little more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's acting like, totally and completely traumatized but it's like he's been through like this was not that dramatic in the grand scheme of things and so it really just this does not land for me yeah the mythology doesn't really click especially because we get the couple lucid moments like very lucid moments from the characters when they're even near the shroud yeah yeah and the, the, the effect of the shroud too seemed inconsistent to me yeah i don't think they know what they want that shroud to do yeah like i like i was like i guess it's just tailor made to me to each character being silly in a specific way they want it to be silly. You're right, though. This does feel like real charmed lore of like, I don't know, it does something different to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's like when the they have this like woogie man in their basement that would go into people and like bring the evil into them. But like everyone was evil in like a different way. And that could be fun if you played with it, but they were so not the same like some people had the thoughts and feelings of the evil entity and other people were just like mischievous versions of themselves (laughs) and like it doesn't you gotta it's gotta hit and like i don't know what's going on with this effect i I, but by the end of it i didn't but also at the beginning so like weird and like suspicious and strange didn't come across so much as bad writing and like i guess that's the chance you run when you have people being uh, under the effect of something but I don't know. It didn't work out in your favor this time, guys. It, did, it didn't work for me as an opener. I honestly forgot it even happened. Like, I just cut that out of my mind. It didn't even weigh into the plot. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. And so so then we go back in time, right? And we're with Angel and Gun mm-hmm. straight up. And this is another thing that didn't quite work for me of like, you know, we're still getting the relationship together of like, who's the boss? <laughs> and what like Gun seems to need help. And Angel's like, I'll give you help. 
and now it's none of your business. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because they're supposed to be bros. And I would rather, I think it would have made more sense if they had this energy of like, like when you're bros, like I'm building a, a shed. You know what I mean? Like, I can imagine how men react to that. I'm not a man. I don't react to that the same way. Um, but if I could see someone saying to, like, a bro, like, oh, bro, my car broke down or whatever. It's like, yeah, man, I'll be there. What are we dealing with? Like, they kind of like having a project to talk about because it's not vulnerable. It makes them feel, like, needed. And, like, and I do think Angel would respond to that really well. He never had it with Wesley. He, yeah. he's ha- he only really has other close people in his life that are women, Faith, Buffy, Cordelia. So like, I, I, I just doesn't resonate, but they'll get there with them. And they were there earlier. It's just an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And like, it makes it just not hit. Like the scene just feels dissonant. Like I'm like, all right, I, I guess I could buy that. But like, it's weird. He brings gun along for everything. Gun brought this in. He would want his perspective on the thing as it happens. Like I get wanting to keep him away, but that could have been a note later in the plot. You know, like it didn't have to start here. I'm not a moron. Like I'll put the pieces <laughs> together. Like I can, I can, I can react in real time. It seems strange. And also it just seems strange that nobody else had anything to like really substantively say about anybody. It just felt like all of this was to get us to the device. They just, they did whatever it needed to be to get us to the device, you know? Yeah. So then we've got, well, when, when do we get to Jadon, my favorite? (laughs) (laughs) I think we go to meet Lester who asks for help and then, there's like a demonic robbery that he needs help with. And then doesn't Angel say like he knows Jadon's reputation? Like he's like familiar with this. Like, Everybody knows yeah. Jadon. They're all yeah. like, Jadon? <laughs> Everybody's favorite, Jadon. It's like a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> and I would watch that sitcom. I, I do too. I do feel like there, and this happens in Buffy, and I can't think of what moments where there's like a really important person and they like, die in a second and a half (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we've got like um yeah there's a handful of them but you also have ones that are just like it's just over like it it wasn't going anywhere like with balthazar and faith like all this build up and she just was like here you go you know you seemed gross we're good (laughs) yeah and even like the three i'm like oh they're so legendary like doesn't someone miss them isn't somebody like where'd the three go or like (laughs) yeah where's jada (laughs) (laughs) so so then this is where we get our big, um, you know, Angel's got to, Angel's got to dress up moment, well, right? Before that, first of all, we get this uh, moment that we're kind of talking about when they had an Angel headquarters, right? With um, Gun and Angel, where they're sort of already disagreeing in a way that seems foolish. But I do love when Gun says, "What am I supposed to do? Sit home and knit?" And Angel goes, "I could use a sweater." And there's a beat, and he goes, "Something dark." And then yeah. he drives away and leaves him there. Like, first of all, y'all are friends and you should have given him a ride. And second of all, like, that's just a hilarious little exchange. Yeah. Um, but then the the most useless scene, we can't forget about this most useless scene in the episode. It's, there's still actually a while till he goes to meet Jadon because we get this scene in, um, I guess, Darla's old apartment where Angel goes looking for her. Oh, yeah. Kate, Kate's looking for her, too. Yeah, I think it's, it's. I, I'm pretty sure they, they go back and it's Angel's room, which is weird to me. Like, Kate's always, like, in places, people, and people are always showing up in Angel's room, which is just, like, I'm like, okay, I guess. But it doesn't happen frequently enough to be a trope, but it happens frequently enough that I think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also, yeah, there's this, this useless scene where Kate's like, I care about the Darla situation, and Angel's like, I'm telling you, she has superpowers, so, like, uh, I don't know what you want me to do. And Angel like threatens her. 
Yeah. You get between me and Darla, and this basically, like, threatens to kill Kate. And I know they don't get along, but, like, I don't know, that was a bit, a bit heavy. I guess it's supposed to mirror the thing with Gunn where he, like, angrily tries to force someone to not, to, like, protect them, to keep them away. But again, it doesn't really resonate because, like, nobody cares about Kate. Nobody cares about Kate. Her plot lines do not work on this show because we are being... We have a hero already, and she's not a bad person. She's just kind of misguided. But we don't spend enough time for that, like, misguidedness to mean anything because she doesn't have any other characters around her. Like, the whole thing's just not working. And so, again, yeah, this is just a meaningless scene, like you said. Like, this is just, it's like, oh, she cares about the ongoing series-long plot. We have to nod towards it. Like, no, we don't, actually. We don't. We could just not talk about it this week. I. I did feel like this was the, the an unraveling of her a little bit of like, we're starting to set up a swift exit or like getting rid of her. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just saw what I wanted to see. Yeah. She was just acting out of character in general. Yeah. All of these like seemingly meaningless fights do all kind of tie in though, because like the whole Cordelia says it later, it's all about like dominance. Right. And so like, they're all in a struggle for who's the dominant one, the entire episode. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. Then we've got, this is, this is where they're just like trying to keep Angel busy, right? Like of like, I think it's, we meet Jade. We do Jade on next. No. Cause we go back to the hotel. This is, um, they walk in and she's got the cocktail sauce all over. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. And then we get the second comment about Cordelia's really large hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? It's amazing. <laughs> It is a sculpture. It, a, a gay person spent a long time conceiving, <laughs> constructing, engineering that. But like, was it written in? Like, what, did did it happen and they wrote around it, or did it? Did they write it and then they did it to match? Like, what? This is a chicken and egg thing. I think they wrote around something, and okay. and charisma realized very quickly that this was not it. Like, it looks like the Deets house. It's just. <laughs> It's so pointy. It's a lot. It's, yeah. it's, all, it's all I could see whenever it was in the room, but it's I just like a Rugrats character. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So th- they have this conversation, right? Um, about the cocktail sauce, about um, and Angel talks about the situation and they are encouraging, right? About Yeah, they're mm-hmm. so excited that he's working on something non Darla related. Yeah. After he just returned from Darla's apartment. Yes. Right. <laughs> And I feel like they like basically turn to the camera and they're like, that's right. This isn't a Darla episode. So you're gonna have to wait one more week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, they're like, we know you want your hit of Julie Benz. We're going to do our best this week. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like Wesley's idea that he like dresses up like Jadon or like plays Jadon. Yeah. He's like very excited about this idea. I think everyone's catching on as the audience is to the fact that Angel is both good at improv and likes it. <laughs> yes. Um, and they're also going to do a little like research about, well, if there's this a museum heist, like what museums would have something coming in that one would want to heist, which is a really, I would not think to do that. And I was just impressed. Um, yeah. Very yeah. clever. Yeah. So he shows up at this bus depot and is this like, super hilarious character which reminded me on a previous episode somebody was talking about how david buranas like actually really likes playing comedic characters and so like giving him these opportunities to be funny in angel is where like the show kind of you know begins to develop 
his character in a way that's like more interesting than like dark brooding Mm -hmm. kind of like bleh sort of guy so like that like the actor gets to do something and have fun with it and like you know at that point he's just angel to us right like he's not like david boreanaz um star of bones and other kind of funny shows question mark um it's like you know he's good at it and it's fun to watch and like yeah i don't know i just remembered somebody saying that he is an actor like is good at the comedy stuff. And I, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is fun to watch. He is good at this. Yeah, I love to see him doing shit like this. He he does such a he loves to parody someone who's really turning on the charm. Like he loves somebody in any accent, sort of, but d- definitely like he has an affection as an actor, I think, for guys that are like, you know, a little uh trying to be your best friend for some reason. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he loves it. And Angel's so the opposite that it is just such a delight. It's kind of like Dark Willow where you're like, oh, this is very different than what we were doing with this character ever before. And it sticks out and it's why it's so iconic because it's such a polar opposite for the audience. I do love that he does two impressions. He does like the fan of Jadon and then he becomes Jadon. But like, yeah, <laughs> it's like two in a row and the first se- seems like not fully like. I know. I want to be like. I'm like. I want to be like. Now you're you're a, you're a Southern pastor. Okay. Now you're a <laughs> you're a French paramedic. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just seems like he's doing more than he needs to, and I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, every time I see shit like this, I'm like, is this is this, should I be watching Bones? Like, is this? I I do feel like every time I listen to this podcast, it's also a bunch of people who really have not watched Bones, and everyone's like, is it Bones? <laughs> I like bones and no one can give me that answer. I love bones. Okay. All right. All right. Is this like, this is maybe what I get. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But can we please talk about how easy it was for Angel to kill this like incredibly difficult, crazy, scary Jadon vamp? Right. Immediately. I was like, so confused. I was like, was that Jadon? Cause he killed him real fast. I was going to say, I think we're supposed to at this point, like, uh, we're still in like varying power levels for Angel, but I do mm. buy that like a vampire, especially, is there, like a particularly like a, an enemy he would really understand and like, you know, like he's gone up against and he's kind of like fought with a slayer and learned from her. Like, I kind of buy it, but the other part of me is like, wouldn't it be fun if there was a way, like something, we saw something more fun in the way he got away with it, like something more heisty to like get our palates wet? <sighs> It also struck me as like an Ocean's Eleven thing, like everybody's picked for a talent. I'm like, what if Jadon wasn't that scary, but he was like good at getting into the museum? Like maybe there's a reason it's Jadon, not like nine million other demons. Like it seemed like they hadn't fully done the right draft where here's why we have a rando security guard. Here's why we have this guy in a sweater. Like um, (laughs) why call Jade? Like. If he if he was a cool party guy, maybe that should just be his talent. And then I believe <laughs> he's a personality hire. Yes, totally right. Like he's just going to talk his way into the. Nope. Yeah, uh, but that would have worked for me. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it was like Jadon, who like he's he he he's mystically lucky or something would have been funny. And like Angel has to keep trying to keep appearances up that he has any luck at all or whatever. Yeah, that would that yeah. would probably work. So this is where like we meet the rest of the Ocean's Eleven. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about how he stakes him and grabs the glasses before they can turn to dust? Yeah, cute. Very cute. Very cute. 
I love that. (laughs) The the, the Slayer Fest 98 audience is familiar with how much I love shenanigans that have to do with staking or any of the rules of vampirism, like not being able to enter a home. Like any of the gags they do with how it would function in the real world are so delightful to me. And part of the like world building that I love about Buffy and Angel. Yeah. I mean, those are the flourishes that I think like I was thinking how many times I put on this episode in the background while I'm doing work. And I think that's probably why. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> little fun things that I don't have to make it make sense. For but those are the things too that I'm like, what a delight! What a fun, thoughtful addition to like the episode. But the whole episode isn't all delights. But it is that has delights in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the crew is sort of a mess of a crew. Does anybody want to go through who we've got? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We've got Menlo, who uh, thinks that Angel is Jadon. <laughs> um, we've got Vyasa, the security guard. Oh, another demon named Vyasa, a security guard that's a human and kind of like slick. Uh, Bob and Gunn, who is like going to pretend, obviously, to be Lester. And that's the like roundup of guys. Right. But this is a surprise, right? When Gunn shows up and ready to be Lester. Jadon, aka Angel, is like, oh no. Yeah, we're. I, I, it, it is kind of like, oh, oh, okay. But like, I figured out what he was doing immediately, and I, you know, so I, I was kind of like, but I also didn't think it was that bad an idea. Like, I get why he was doing that, and I thought Angel would maybe understand why he was doing that. Like, right, same. Like, wouldn't he rather have like another person who's like on the team and knows what's going on than this like absolutely terrified dude? Like. And even morally, why is Gunn supposed to be more valuable than Lester to, like, the world? Like, you're all making sacrifices and putting yourself on the line here. Is that, you you don't want people doing that, Angel? (laughs) That's a bad news. (laughs) I mean, this was the beginning of where I, like, kind of got confused about what they're trying to tell me about Gunn and Angel. And I, like, you would mention that some of this stuff has already been settled. So, like, I wonder about, was this written out of order? Or, like, what are we supposed to think of their, like... I don't know, comfort level with each other as leaders or something where it's like, oh, you, you changed the plan. And now I have to, you know, where you never quite after that, at least for me, like fully understand how mad they are at each other and what's happening. Yeah. Their madness seems to like build in this way that I'm like, at some point I just feel like you'd be over it because you're so in the situation, but yeah, they're angry at each other, but they can't show that because they're trying to stay in character. So Angel makes his character Jade on, um, take a disliking in general to anything gun does. And I don't know if anybody can explain the plan here because there is a part of my brain that shuts off whenever I see a heist movie. So whenever they're like, <laughs> we're going to do this and then we're going to scale the wall and do this. And like, I can't retain or understand. Um, even it, when, you know, yeah, even when in Ocean's Eleven, they show you what they did. I'm like, don't get it. Don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of like, we it's not that complicated like they they kind of like want the fun environment of a heist movie but they didn't have a that clever of a heist like they have a a security guard that they're intermittently using as a prop for the other security guard who they're going to knock out and they have duct taped the door which is their like clever way to get in and then they're going to get down to the thing and just a giant drill into the safe and then pop the safe open and get what they need. And I guess well, these demons... And then because Angel, who is not Jadon, but they think is Jadon, is a vampire, and it's, like, heat-sensitive or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, so that's true. why they need him. 
Which, like, just use any vampire. Why are you shipping in this crazy guy from Vegas? There's got to be a ton of crazy vampires in L.A. Anyway. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, because he's, like, dead, then he's going to be the one that goes in there and, like, turns something off. So then they can all come in and carry the shroud thing out together because it's going to be super heavy. Yes. Um, and that I guess that's, uh, you know... This is, we're supposed to believe they cooked all this up in the weeks beforehand and just assume that the duct tape thing worked perfectly. But how fun would it have been if we got to see some of these antics and they were done in like interesting ways with demon powers? But, you know, I guess we only have the time for what we have the time for. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of that, like at the end of this conversation, they're like, and by the way, it's happening tonight. So yeah. like, and then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> as if they had other plans, as if they were right. like, Oh, I thought this was, you know, Tuesday at noon. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go stay in this hotel I booked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where we go back, right, to Cordy and Wes, like, Googling or whatever, demons, demons, demons like, various museums. Um, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did, like, I'm like, oh, all the, you know, not living there, all the L.A. museums I really like. Um, and they're starting to realize that where is angel right like it's i guess been a while yeah i love when they're reading about the shroud when they finally find it on the museum and (laughs) cordelia says oh two words i don't like off the bat tomb and unearthed people you have got to leave your tombs earthed (laughs) such a good line yes and so well delivered so well delivered it was like oh perfection (laughs) people you have got to leave your tombs earthed (laughs) Yeah, I said it was this nice little moment of like classic Cordy in the middle of whatever the rest of the mess of this episode is, which like right. I didn't hate as much as I'm making it sound like I did, but like I, I think know. the problems are just easy to fix and uh, glaring, but what they're replaced with isn't that bad, and there is stuff that's really good in the episode, but it's interesting to be able to be like, why did that happen? And maybe we could have tweaked this. Um, but the stuff that's there isn't horrible. Like the dialogue is witty and, and I'm having fun. It's just, you know, how many times can I say Jadon is fun and Angel doing an impression is fun? It is, but he's not doing anything interesting while he's doing that impression to me. Yeah, and a lot of that mythology that I think we wanted cleared up could have been done in this cute scene where we get this great line and everything where they tell us what the Shroud does. Like, oh, okay, it like made a whole village go crazy and all kill each other and stuff like that. But if they had like, some sort of kingpin or some sort of like key that's like going to explain all the different ways that people act. Like your, your best quality becomes your worst quality, right? Like something real specific besides like everybody went crazy and killed each other. Like this is mm-hmm. the scene where you give us the thing that's going to make all the different ways people are acting when the shroud is activated makes sense. And we don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's not clear. It also would have given some like theme to the episode stronger than what is there. And like, I mean, the talk about dominance, it's like, yeah, that could have been it. But it just doesn't, It to me, it's not so clearly shown that you could really understand it, especially for an audience at the time, I think. It was no, no offense, people listening in the 90s, but a little <laughs> less sophisticated. I, I don't know. I, it, it, yeah, as, a, as an object, this could have been interesting. It's just not. It's like a crazy blanket, and then they just burn it. And it's like, oh, okay, is this supposed to be based on the Shroud of Turin? Because there's actually interesting stuff about that. Yeah, and it did make me, like, I'm like, I should probably Google some stuff that this is based on. But one thing I thought about was, like, there are other episodes where they all, whether they become different versions of themselves or more pure versions of themselves or childlike versions of themselves, where it 
narratively serves a greater theme of like what they have to be thinking about right now. And just thinking of the timing of the episode, there is this great opportunity to be like, oh, well, when next to the shroud, like this is what happens to Angel and here's how that plays into what's happening with Darla or you know, with gun, and we're not with them for that. I mean, what happens with Cordy, we'll get to, but like, I don't think any of these things that happen serve some greater purpose, unlike some of the one-off, you know, gimmick episodes, Ryan, that you were talking about, where it, it might be like a device, but then you actually get something really deep. Right. It. That's what's spec scripty about it. It's and I don't mean to be shitty to the person that wrote this. Like we all have our better days, and honestly, I'm sure network notes and other writers and showrunners coming in with notes is a very difficult working environment. But it feels a little AI. It's like, oh, you know how angel episodes are paced, and you know who's supposed to be there and what order they should talk to which person. But the rest of it, it just it's not character based. It's there's no insight. There's no like human element it's just sort of like one it's like a spin-off novelization where they're like what if sabrina went to camp and that's fun but like it doesn't service the characters at all like you know we're not going to get any long-term like especially the kate stuff like why would you take a character who the audience is struggling to connect with who they don't have a relationship context for who doesn't have a stable identity emotional state anything to root for like really she is on an island with just a very pretty lady trying to deliver lines without crying and you take her and then you have her act in like an unpredictable, wacky, crazy, weird, over the top, bitch, nightmare way. Like it, 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 first off, it feels weird about women. But second, like, it's tough because it's like, this is just unpleasant. Like I, the, the monster of the week part should be the funnest part. And it just wasn't fun to watch her or like have her around. I was like, God, when can we get rid of Kate? And I think it feels like the beginning of the end for her because we're just so sick of her at this point, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I think that the writers don't know what to do with her. And I think that's just obvious that they're like, all right, well, we're going to have her, you know, be there. (laughs) Like, what, (laughs) what, 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 why are you like, let have, let this lady have a week off. I don't know. It's, it doesn't work, but, but, but I think the cast of characters are fun. And I think like, you know, I think it's fun to have the conceit of like, they're trying to keep in their identities and they're like, I'm a good guy. I mean, I'm a bad guy. I mean, ah, like that's fun. And like, again, the pacing is there. So I don't know. I feel shitty saying this and I definitely don't want this to be an unpleasant listen, but it's just, it's hard because it's so close that it's almost more frustrating. I, I can make a case. I will try to make a case for Kate in this episode. And maybe it's more with what happens at the end, but and I guess I'll do it out of order now, but like there is something I I have a lot of trouble even getting through the Kate scenes. And sometimes I get like embarrassed and, and like what is happening here. There is something about the way she plays like the final beats and, and we'll get there later, but where it's almost like, Oh, I just realized there's shades of gray to this and this is over my head and I cannot be part of this narrative. Like I do feel like it was the beginning of Kate is not meant for this world. She cannot deal with it. She's a she's a mess when confronted with it. And if Angel isn't all bad or all good, she can't hang. And I felt like in a moment, she played it on her face a little bit at that end. Yeah, it just speaks of like, women be manic, you know, like, it just <laughs> women can't handle nuance. You know how they are. They fly off the emote. This is why they can't be president. Like, it I don't like it. And I don't think this actress likes playing it. Like every week, Kate is unpleasantly angry at Angel for being involved in something that's complicated or supernatural when she seems to understand the general vibe and score. So like, 
we can't be surprised that something might be supernatural and Angel might be involved and be like, what? no, you need to hand over the case. Like, uh, how long are we going to do this? Like, it wasn't an interesting or fun storyline the first time because I don't really know that much about your character except, like, you're sad about your dad. I don't really know. Like, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But I, I get what you're saying. And I also feel like it's not that they didn't try. It's just... I, in, a, in a fan edit of the show, you could just remove her and it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't change anything. And I did think it was funny as this episode started that I was like, oh, is this like kind of the law and order beginning maybe? And so I guess Kate would be in the law and order beginning yeah. episode. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is right. We get some more the group planning the whole heist. But this pretty much quickly is where we get to Kate and she's like, you know, they're like, are you interested? And she's like, oh, I see a picture of Angel. I'm interested. Yeah. Which again, like she's, she understands generally kind of what's going on. Like she, she's getting the ropes. Why not introduce her to other characters she might be less suspicious or angry at, like Wesley? Why not have her be the one doing the interrogation? And she's genuinely trying to help this human being who seems to be like, confused or whatever and she's like listen you don't have to be loyal to angel you can tell me what happened you know what i mean like give her a a cordelia episode where we can see another side of her like i don't know and i again i don't want to be like ragging on it it's just it's so easy to fix and i it why couldn't you (laughs) thread that needle i feel like people hate kate so you know yeah our, our team maybe it's unsalvageable the team's cheering cheering us on going yay <laughs> don't worry i feel like you know i wanted to be a kate defender i didn't remember disliking her but like the the closer you introspectively analyze angel it does seem like what they're doing with her turned out not to work so that's not where the show goes and now they've got a kate hanging around and they've got to do something about it so we're we're getting there. We're getting as you both Meredith and Ryan pointed out, like we're about to get rid of her, just not yet. And we can't just drop her. We gotta remind everyone she's around all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Is this are we already at the safe? I feel like they get to like the actual heist part yeah. pretty quickly. Like they're like doing the thing where the thing almost yeah. falls on the floor. I think that yeah, they just pop that thing right open. <laughs> <laughs> they do. There is like a, the weird balancing on the foot thing. Um, I guess also there's um, like Angel makes sure that they don't kill the first security guard. I don't know. That feels like the only important beat in the lead up to that. Also him like saving the little vial too. But like, yeah, I think then they're in the safe. Like it's not really like anything noteworthy happens except if we count when Angel punches gun or when gun punches Angel during the whole getting to the safe thing but yeah and then we go back to cordy and wes again right and this is where she makes the comment about virgin sacrifices like why mm-hmm. why yeah. so many yeah yeah there's a <laughs> great little feminist moment yeah like didn't we just have one like a week ago <laughs> why are they so valuable i don't even think virginity's real like <laughs> exactly like what is this even i love charisma's delivery when she says like this has nothing to do with purity. This is all about dominance, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) She's got so much insight. And she says, um, 
You can bet if someone ordered a male body part for a religious sacrifice, the world would be atheist like that. And I was like, that's fucking true. (laughs) 100% true. True. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got like an explanation of the shroud that I totally cannot make sense of, but I don't need to. It just makes people go insane. That's, you know... It, it it you're whatever the wacky version like it's okay sure yeah there's no theme or consistency <laughs> crazy upstairs bing bong mix up sure okay next <laughs> uh, so now we're back at the shroud right and yeah. is this the first time that angel gets like shroud eyes yes yes which i kind of like that they matched his shirt <laughs> but it was cute some beautiful beautiful eyes shroud eyes um Okay, this is like where I started to be like, what? <laughs> how like how close to you? Is it a proximity thing? Is right. it just vibes? Also, is it like it's in the air? Like, did it travel through the safe door? Was it stuck behind the safe? Like, is that why none of in that? The vault? How did they even get it in the vault? Did the people yeah. who got it in the vault go crazy? Yeah, do the museum workers know about this, or are they just are their personal lives unraveling? Like. It it's not like I, I just think also it didn't have to be that. It could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Is the vault shroud proof? Like is that why they, they put it in there? Like is there some like crazy barrier around it where you're not actually mentally unwell? That's what I was thinking, that it was some kind of like mystical vault that could hold it in because it's as soon as he walks in and then it starts affecting everyone. And when Cordelia and Wesley enter, the second they walk through the door, they start acting goofy. But at that point, it's out in the hallway. So I just assumed that it was had some sort of spell on it or something that like held it all in. I, I, yeah, I, I wondered why they didn't just make this shroud only affect demons. Like it makes demons, we could have said like it makes them high until it makes them insane. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, it's a drug metaphor, like whatever. And maybe it's not even anti-drug. It's just like, you know, it's, it is it is an objective allegory or metaphor or whatever the fucking right English word is. I used to be a senior editor at a magazine. <laughs> um, it, you know, it could have been anything that would have been better like and i don't think the wesley and 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 cordelia hijinks are at all interesting they don't really do anything with it it's you know they have they're each good actors it's just not it's whatever um and i think if it had just been a thing that's just for demons then the kate thing would have made sense it would have been more interesting though security guard maybe we could have gotten some funny reactions out of him like what are you what are you guys doing why are you guys acting so so silly you know like whatever (laughs) it could have been fun and Another wasted opportunity. Um, but yes, they show up. They're acting, they, you know, they're starting to act a little loosey-goosey. But, you know, nothing comes, nothing interesting comes of it. I don't know if anybody else felt, felt this way, but when Cordy and Wes come in, them walking through the building to enter and then going, they're like, we better stick together. And then they go in separate directions. Uh-huh. There's something about it that, like, made me miss walking into Sunnydale High nighttime when they're doing, like, collective spells right when they're all going to different parts of the building yeah like that visual of some like institutional hallway and even though in this case they didn't mean to go in separate directions but like you go here and i'll go there and we're all gonna go have our separate adventures and maybe get sucked into the floor there was something and i did think as they start to get affected like I was thinking, okay, the last time I had an edible. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's like drugs at the beginning. Yeah. So I, my sister and I believe that we are like genetically incapable of like having a simple edible. And the last time I did, (laughs) I had a friend over and I was like, this is going to be great. And 
And then like five hours later, he was like, can I leave because you haven't spoken in four hours? Oh, my God. And all I kept thinking was, I'm the loudest person ever. I talk too much. I can't. (laughs) And I so I can accept the idea that like different people have like a different shroud situation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but that's why like maybe makes you high or like whatever could have been interesting because you get people reacting differently and maybe paranoia. Like, oh, okay. And then maybe the allegory of it, like the different ways people act being high, you could have picked out really niche, funny, specific ones. Like I can never think, I love to get stoned. I can never (laughs) think of the word I'm looking for when I'm at all, even a little bit, just one puff on a vape. And I'm like, uh searching for the word it's word you know what i mean like the whole time that could have been a fun thing to play like starving anxious like it could have i don't know but it it is fun and i do think yeah it is evocative imagery and it also i think the reason that it's so evocative and fun especially when they split in different directions or each person's dealing with the the same problem in their own way like separately is because that's kind of what the show is too in a fun way like, they've really set themselves up for that because we love each character and they each are so different. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a little bit like, I feel like the you searching for words is like Wesley being like, with when Kate gets there, like, I, I have something to say and I don't know what it is. Yeah, kind of like no short-term memory. <laughs> yeah, and like, I feel like I'm more, God, I, I don't know who I am, but hopefully not the Kate, but like, there's a little bit of a, <laughs> like a tag yourself, who are you in this like mess of... <laughs> yeah, dissociating a little bit. He's like, wait, where... This is weird. (laughs) (laughs) How do they ever get... Okay, first of all, why once they grab the thing, do they still take the whole vault when all they need is the shroud? Yeah. Second of all, how do they ever get the whole thing out and into the getaway van? I feel like it's just this wild situation happening and I'm like, there's just... It's too heavy. There's no way. And then somehow they they Mm -hmm. do it. Like and you wouldn't have, like, wouldn't you have been like, well, in the planning for this, we'll have to account for us going completely insane. <laughs> like, right? wouldn't you be like, we got a robot. Like, what would you do? Like, you could do any, again, you're leaving yourself wide open for something fun and then doing nothing with it. Why include a getaway car? Why not have some other, sol- like, it could have been anything. But I guess it just fits with the with the heist tropes. And I think we're supposed to think that the container, like the safe that it's in, is somehow shielding them from. But the, one of the, the one of the demons like, smashes it. Yeah. And clearly, yeah. they're That's all like, affected by it. So yeah, 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 yeah. Just grab the shroud, y'all. But yeah. I guess <laughs> use it like a handkerchief. Yeah, they're too like in their like shroud high or whatever to yeah. think of that. But it's just like I guess what I'm saying is I've got this like play by play written down of what happens. It's like. Cordelia looks at her reflection. Wesley disappears. Four-member heist team now because, you know, one guy's gone. Demon's freaking out about fingerprints. And then it's like all of a sudden getaway. I mean, there's a bunch more things. I'm not going to read them. And then it's like getaway truck that crashes because they, they like they like crash it yeah. in the warehouse, right? And I'm like, wow, how did this even happen? And we've got all like no, – It's just like parts. I'm so crazy. I want to crash my car. Like, okay. Yeah. Sure, I mean, sure. the important oh. parts are like – with Kate showing up and her confrontation with Angel, all the parts I skipped, right? Like we do get these like crucial moments, but like the actual heist parts are like, I don't even know how that part winds up happening. And then there's Wesley like on the ground. So it's just a very wild, like chaotic scene, which I guess goes well with the shrouds effects on people. 
But again, like the shroud, maybe the twist could have been funny that like nobody would have gotten away with it because if you want it so bad, your insane reaction would be you burning it. So maybe one of the demons should have burned it and been like, yes, finally. And then once it's gone, be like, wait, what? No, what? Ah!" And Angel could just be looking on like, oh, I kind of, oh, like coming to himself and be like, I kind of didn't even need to be here. (laughs) You know, like it could have been, I don't know. But to have Angel burn it, it doesn't make sense because, like, isn't he supposed to be crazy? Why wouldn't he be distracted by the effects of the shroud? But it's like he comes to for just a second. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, saw Kate. He was like, "God, I'm sober. Me, right the fuck up." (laughs) We we get that later with like the flashback. We get like the flashbacks from different people's point of view. So in in this moment, like during all of this wildness leading up to the getaway truck crashing and before the fire, we just think everyone is losing their minds even though at first it kind of comes and goes it seems like the shroud has taken over so it's interesting to me that he does have that moment of lucidity and then i'm like oh are you just are you faking this like are you are you faking the effect Mm -hmm. it is a little confusing also that like one of my big fears watching it like when you have like secondhand anxiety i was like oh are angel and gun gonna blow their covers and that's not even on the table, right? Yeah, no. that's a great point. Like, if you're, like, going super crazy from the Shroud, wouldn't you be, like, Angel? And they don't, they actually stay in character. They, like, kind of flirt with, like, I'm a good guy. I mean, I'm a bad guy. I mean, and it's it's like, well, then let's do it. Also, like, maybe there's all this buildup to them <gasps> accidentally letting it slip. And then the other guys are so insane they didn't even notice. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. fucking subversion. Give me some angel and Buffy in here. But again, that's why it feels like AI because it's right there. And like a, a, if Jane Espenson did a pass, how charming would this have been? And again, there's nothing against this writer. We all have an off day. Like it's fine. And every podcast I've done is particularly great. But I just think like it's, it's just so there and they don't take it. And it's tough. I'm starting to like, you know, make excuses, but I also wonder again, like maybe it wasn't, maybe it was like written as an episode that could go anywhere. And this is where it wound up in the timeline and they didn't do the past they needed to, to like make it fit in just right. Yeah. Here's some hijinks. This could go anywhere. And we, but like, what was your impression like of when, when the, there's, there's supposed to be shroud crazy and Angel and Gunn are like kind of losing it at each other. And I was like, I don't know what's what. And I don't know what is supposed to resent, represent some, I don't know, like deep truth. Like, like, right. Like, I don't, I was like, is this how they feel? Or is this old stuff? Or should I be worried like after this is over that they have baggage they haven't dealt with? I, I have no idea. And they don't even bring up anything from an older storyline or like an existing dynamic. Like it's just kind of them playing emotions that they might have had for each other recently at each other in wacky ways. But like, again, I like, there's not a, there's nothing to it. Right. Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, it seems like made up conflict of like old conflict or like fill in the blank conflict. It's like when Real Housewives start nitpicking a word choice because there's just nothing going on on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, you said I was thankful. I said I was grateful. I did not say, you know, they go back and forth. And it's like, (laughs) this is, you guys had weeks to plan this conversation, I'm sure. And this is what you like wrote. Like, again, I, it's just, it's tough. And, And also because Gunn is, I love Gunn having seen his whole arc. 
I love him. To see him so underserviced at this point, like, I just feel like they didn't know how to write him. Maybe they just didn't have anyone on the staff that, like, outside of even just, like, race and class, just doesn't have life experience of wherever Gunn was at, even, like, career-wise, maybe. Like, you know, how there's dynamics here, right? Like, Gunn's a freelancer for a guy whose work is super dangerous. How do you work out those fees? How do you work out hours? Can he turn down a gig? Like, and now he's asking them for a favor. Is he going to get paid for this? Is this a case he brought in? Or are they helping him? And they get into it a little bit. But that only indicates to me that they knew there was stuff to dig into there and they didn't because maybe they were just not familiar with Gunn as a character yet. But like, I don't know, he, he, I, who he ended up being seemed pretty obvious to me at the beginning. And, and it's, and it's just unfortunate that it falls at this point in us getting to know Gunn and like integrating him in the group. But again, there are worse things than spending time with somebody that doesn't end up meaning anything, but like we get more familiar with having him around and like the actor's sense of timing and stuff. I just thought that one of the first things we learn about him or, or about that relationship, right? I think it's in the first episode is this great thing. Doesn't Angel basically say like, no, it's not about you calling me. Like I may, I may need you. Like I, I, yes. I, I recognize your expertise in an area where I deeply do not have it and I'm still learning. Um, and then, then that's, you know, that's what had so much promise at the be- beginning of this episode of like, I'm coming to you, let's work together to like, and they have chemistry. Yeah, they actually yeah. have bro chemistry. That's why it works. And it's weird to me that like, I just feel like Angel would have leaned into it rather than out of it. But I do see Angel does, he is broody and he pushes people away. So I get the justification for it. I'm not saying it's like so left field, but it just feels like it would have, it would have felt the way other characters have been embraced by the show. That that's the way you could have done it for Gunn, if that makes sense. They 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 when they brought Anya in, they set up dynamics for her to clearly show who she is. Yeah, and this this episode in particular seems to like take three steps backwards of like, and it's focused on him. Yeah, like this is his. He started this, right? And they're all. It's it's um. I you know. There's also over. We're like here are 19 other versions where this could have been better, but uh, where you know Angel seems to be the one who can sort of snap back to attention, and we obviously learned he did that with Kate. But like maybe he is the only one. Maybe if you're more supernatural or whatever, it doesn't affect you as much, and that's why they sent that team, and that's why Cordy and West would go so bonkers. But I, I don't know. You would think the demon who's like, what does he say? He says it belongs to his people. You would think he would be the one. Yes, I mean. what it's doing and has a certain purpose that he wants. It's not just like, ooh, this is a relic. Like, you know, your fancy white people museum can't have my demon shroud. Like, it doesn't seem like that would be the case here. It would be like, you're the one that can and should have this thing. I guess, yeah. though that doesn't really match with the backstory we get from Wes and Cordelia. But those are just books written probably by right, white people, not demons, right? Um, humans. <laughs> so, like, th- there was so much they could have done with, like, that moment where he's like, oh, it's from my people. Like, this is such a big reveal, but it's just, like, falls flat and, like, no- nothing happens. Yeah. It Again, there's just so much there. But maybe they were just like, we don't have the time. But then I think about how much time was wasted in this episode. And they absolutely did. They do more in other episodes. It, it, I don't know. It, it, uh, this does not expand the Angel universe for me. Is this beyond Jadon episode of Angel? 
No. Through the ringer here. I'm like, I don't Gee. know. Yeah, no, if, if, Ian, if Ian were here, she would come up pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it's she. It's got to be she. Although that woman is hot. It's true. There there are a lot of episodes that are probably better, but I find them more grating. Like, yeah. This, yeah. this is not good in certain ways, but I am happy to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's again, it's silly. It's like background TV. It's like vibe. It's like spinoff novelization, video game canon. You know what I mean? And that's fine. That's fine for what it is. But I know this show is capable of greatness. Yeah. And Ryan, you bring up Charmed. Like, I'm like, is it is it Charmed? Is this just Charmed? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. It's Alyssa Milano wanted to do a heist because she got lunch with George Clooney and she said, we're doing something similar on our show. And she came back and was like, now we have to do a heist episode. I told him we were doing a heist episode. Like, whatever. Like, that is what it feels like. As opposed to an Angel episode that was like, you know, it's always been my dream to do a heist and it would be cool to do like an urban sci-fi version and, and this is the world for it. And like, you know, what do we have to say about these characters in the context of teamwork or whatever heist thing you want to pull out? And the Rick and Morty episode managed to do this in 20 minutes. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I am not one of the the extremely online Elon Musk fans that thinks that show's perfect, but like it, it, it is, it's just, it's just so close to being something. It is. It, it is. Wait, when did they burn this thing? <laughs> Oh, right. So that they go outside and Angel snaps back to awareness. I, I, it's lucidity. And he pours alcohol on this thing and he lights it a flame. And this all happens um, before we go back to the interrogation room, right? Like it's like right before. Yeah. But this is after he sees Kate. Yeah, right after the – so they're back at the warehouse and the, the one demon says that it's his people's and the, the fight ensues between who will grab this incredibly – thin looking shroud that I have no idea how doesn't rip why and how it doesn't rip. And then yeah, Angel just blows it up ish. It's not even that Angel has Angel and Gun both share a moment of clarity because Gun has enough clarity to trust him and give it up. Yeah. I do wonder about the actual shroud because you talk about the thin thing. I was thinking about how like my, all my now late Jewish grandmas would be like, hand me that schmatza, like a rag. Yeah. And I was like, they're burning. just in my mind, I could picture them saying they're burning that schmatza. I don't even know. Let's, let's hope that's what it translates to every now and then I remember Yiddish and I'm like, was it offensive? What were they saying? <laughs> All I could think was, what does that thing smell like? Oh my God. Uh, it's not good. very smelly. <laughs> I don't even know. Pungent. Like Sour. The- <laughs> uh, so the, I guess the, one of the more interesting parts of the episode is this sort of end scene where we get Kate coming in and telling them to release Wesley, like, you know, all that for this. And we get the the moment of lucidity. We see Angel tell her to stay down or they'll kill her. And then, like, she's sort of touching her neck, thinking of this moment of, like, not even just kindness, but, like, he literally saves her life here, right? But also does bite her in the process, which, like, the gang's all worried about. And then Angel's then in his room. I, ca- I keep thinking this episode's going to end, and then we keep getting more people mm-hmm. sort of brooding over this moment where Angel like tasted real human blood again, and then he's even doing it. Are we supposed to think that he can control his eyes? Because if he was acting when he bit her, but his eyes were still all shroudy. Oh, you're right. You've poked a real hole in this. I guess he can make 
shroud eyes when he needs to? <laughs> I don't know. I do love the line when he says, like, what are you afraid of? Is it the part where I kill you? Because I got to tell you, I love that in a woman. I was like, that is such an Angelus line. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. See, there's little things that are so good. I don't think he was lucid the whole time and was controlling it. I think he was actually going in and out of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a distance thing and we're supposed to believe it got closer and farther away. So, but again, that's not well established. So it's hard to ask me to buy in and and not be taken out of the episode. Yeah. The, there's one little moment at the end that I really love when Wes and Cordy are sitting there <laughs> and Cordy still got that necklace on that she stole from the museum. Oh, oh yeah. God, oh my God. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Queen. Loved that. Loved She's that. like, I returned everything. I swear. Yeah. She's right. And she should do it. I hope she takes another one. <laughs> I, I, you know, fuck museums 100. And also things are for using. If there are jewels, they're not going to be damaged. They're diamonds. They're not going to be damaged. Everyone should be using these things. Um, uh, yeah. Good. Good for her. Also, I love that part of QWERTY that values material things is never, she grows and she contextualizes it, but it's never gone because it's just part of her. She likes a shiny bauble and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And they're all Barbie. Speaking of charmed, like that is absolutely a necklace that those women would wear. Yeah. hundred percent. They'd be like, oh, that is appropriate and on my body now. (laughs) 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 There's nothing problematic about this. (laughs) Statement. (laughs) Yes. Um, I, I did feel like Kate walking in and being like, let him go was definitely a, Law and Order audition. Like, who needs to audition at that point? Got you've got. Yeah, the she was like, "I'm going to need this for the real." I can see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I did think that thought bubble as she looks into the window or wherever she is is like, "Wow, the world is really complicated more than I've ever known." And Kate <laughs> has learned her first lesson. <laughs> also, she's a detective, and she doesn't know the world was complicated. Shades of Grey. No. Nope. Wow. I mean, I guess there's verisimilitude to that. Yeah. <laughs> not to get all a cab on my Buffy shit again, but you know, it just, I, and I'm sick of her realizing that the world is dark and complex and maybe she didn't know everything, but she's angry at the, at the everyone for being like this, the world should be better. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I am bored. <laughs> like they had a moment and th- this episode was not going to be important enough to make this moment where she's like, Oh, we can work together and I can help you and all like, fine, grieve your father, all that, whatever it's complicated. But like she has no, from my memory, this moment on real growth to truly get it. It's just like, she's like, huh, I've learned one lesson in my entire life. Well, wasn't guns people like, uh, I don't know if it's his family or wasn't, is when his whole neighbor, like neighborhood being taken over by vampires and like people, you know, I don't, I don't remember if it's his family or not like killed by vampires and he can work with Angel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, his sister. sister. His yeah. sister. He had to kill his own sister. Yeah. Like that is <laughs> a lot smarter than Kate in a lot of ways, in all ways. It's just, it's like, what's not clicking? Okay, I know freshmen at Sunnydale who have a better working knowledge <laughs> of the world than you, and you're an adult detective. You have a state monopoly on violence, and you don't really get the score at this point on your 15th time around here. Like, did you not know what you were getting into? You already did this, girl. I, I, 
it makes and it made that rage and impatience like why do I why is this interesting I the audience already know about this world I've known about it for seasons probably and if I didn't we're at the supernatural at block of this network is this night of the week like I it's okay I don't need to spend weeks grappling with the reality that, that some people who've done violence are supernaturally exempt from justice and they must be on their own path of recovery and redemption and rehabilitation. Like I get it. We get it. Then we go explore that. That's the fun of the show. Her not getting it. It's like, could we get her a box set of the first season and maybe she could catch (laughs) up? Like, and also like, what's not clicking? What's not clicking? Magic is real. He's supernatural. That's the way the world is. That's where you live. It's been hidden from you. Maybe go to a magic store, meet some like, uh, you know, one of the less culturally appropriative magic doers in your city. Why not go to like Lauren's bar and like, like what, let's see her explore this. Let's see her maybe take an interest or try to use, like, wouldn't it be interesting if a Kate episode where she tries to do justice magically enhanced and it goes awry because guess what? You can't do that. And like, you know, and it teaches us a lesson about cops and like authority, like have her get her feet wet. Instead, we're on like the 15th episode of her being like, what is this? What is this world you're in? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, uh, and it's, it's a waste of time in what is a limited amount of time to make my favorite show. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, you know, for so many of these shows or spinoffs, especially when they have a new human character that gets introduced to the world, it's such a great opportunity because I think so many people relate to Willow because so many of us aren't the Buffy in our own minds. And we're like, Oh, I I've met these people who are, who are showing me something greater. And now I've learned that I have skills within this world and that I belong here and that I get to date here and, and do all these things. And Kate could have, a different version of Kate could have been that. And, you know, of learning it, accepting it, not, you know, backing away from it, not being mean about it, and just finding a whole better interesting system. And instead, she just is like, Kating. <laughs> the reason we fall in love with the characters on Buffy, we never fall in love with the people that aren't dynamic. We never fall in love with the one note sad sacks. We just don't. I mean, some people struggle with Dawn because she's a little one note in certain episodes. Like they just marks her as not of the Buffy flavor. She's just annoying or whatever. And I don't think that's true of her. I think we get there, but I think Kate never does. She's the same with the, 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 glimmers of light that we get when she's under a spell and she's acting crazy in one episode the glimmers of that we get great why is there no other layer to kate nothing else going on couldn't cordelia and her get stuck together and have like a girly episode where their girls are girling and they like do something feminist and kind of like empowering but fun like she doesn't need to be buffy she doesn't need to be the chosen one like there's lots of women on these shows that are all different and none of them are limited to one emotion and it, 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 I don't know. And it's not that they just do this with women. I don't want to make it just that, but it does feel like she plays into tropes and it, it's, they, the reason we love angel characters, even like Jasmine is funny. Yeah. Like we need a joke. We need like, we need a reason to like her. We need like a voice. We want to hear her perspective on things. We want when something silly is happening to be like, what would Kate be like in this situation? Let's get her in here. Right. Like that's the fun of the show is that, I don't know. And I just, and I wonder why, why did they not know this? Like what was not. It is fascinating too, because think about Lila. I mean, like we get, we get, it's not even, and what's so frustrating is they're telling 
us from moment one, this person is very important. Like she's one of your leads. Like I I would accept some of this for like somebody I didn't have to invest in, but you think they would have gotten rid of her character really quickly or corrected. And they, the writing doesn't do her favors. They didn't, they made a key mistake in making this show. They felt they needed to have a certain number of characters and places to go. And that they also probably wanted to get the money from the network. So they needed to be like, well, we need a a six person because of this. It makes sense or whatever. Cause you want as much budget as possible. They made a mistake though. Buffy is best at bringing in people for an episode, maybe two episodes and seeing if they click. Anya clicked. She was fun to have on set. The actors had chemistry with her. They, they could feed her anything and she could spin it into gold. Keep her. Some people don't click. Harmony was probably not supposed to be in there as long as she was there. Jonathan, like these people, that's why this show is so good because it can bring in a lot of people, give them something fun to do, see who can do it and keep them around. And and that's what makes the world building better. And it makes it so layered and like Amy coming back so many times, but instead they just gave us this woman that they hadn't even fully formed and who it doesn't feel like they loved the casting of because they're not using the actress or playing to any of her strengths. And maybe just cut it if it's not working. Like maybe learn from like bringing people in when it is working to bring people out when it's not working. Or Do you think that part of that keeping Kate around thing is that it takes them too many seasons to realize that Angel is not a procedural show? Maybe. I think they thought they were going to need more interaction with law enforcement as adults in a major city yeah. than it ends up they actually care to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also wonder, like, that's interesting. You think it was like law enforcement and also procedural stuff. Because I wondered, just based on the way we meet her, were they like, we can't have them couple up with anybody and this could be a slow burn romance? Like, to what extent did they know they never, yeah. I mean, they, and they do have the energy of people who really thought they were going to hook up and didn't, and now they're just mad. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's like, then they brought in Darla, I think, because they were like, well, nothing's cooking. And he, he, we know, <laughs> right. you know, who's a chemistry nuclear warhead. We'll bring in Julie Benz and that'll fix things for a few episodes. And it did, it does. But I think another blonde petite fighter with like a complex gender dynamics and interesting, like, emotional journey it's like okay this is i think you're tired of this i think you're out of places to go with like it's my job to protect the people versus it's like a duty and like you know like we did that with buffy we we did it and we're kind of doing it with angel at this point like we don't need a cop whose father she has father issues and she's trying to help people like we actually don't need another hero on a mission what we needed is like maybe a redhead who doesn't take this very seriously or a brunette who has like you know or a person of color god forbid or someone with like colored hair an alt person who who either doesn't take this seriously or who comes at this from a different angle or who doesn't know about any of this, that Angel's keeping this world a secret from. He just kind of really likes her. Like, give us something else to play with. And I bet you that actress could have done it. Yeah. I don't dislike her. I, I None of the blame falls to her. Although it does feel like she just did not click with the writing staff. Like, they could not find something, a, a lane to, to vibe with her in. Yeah. No, it's and, true. And, and it's weird, this whole episode that's supposed to be about Gunn is, in fact, not about Gunn. It doesn't even make me dislike him. He's just not relevant to it. Whereas Kate is the anchor of this that isn't working, and she's barely in it. Yeah, no, it truly ends with, like, we start with Gunn, and it ends with Kate being like, you know, I'm just going to dramatically hold my bite and yeah. and think about things. And that, and 
uh, also it ends on a note that I found confusing of, oh no, now angels had blood. And from my memory, we don't revisit that in like an, oh no, now we suddenly a danger way. It's like, it kind of just is there, right? Does anybody remember like if we move so quickly back into Darla that I don't remember it being like, oh no, remember in the shroud episode, he had blood. Like, I don't remember that coming up again. I think it was just foreshadowing and like, we're supposed to know Angel's darkness is still there. And like, also maybe the person writing this has kind of a thing to think for thinking about Angel jerking off or whatever, like sitting alone, like (laughs) having like fantasies in a chair and brooding a little grin. Like maybe that's just something they wanted an image of, but I'll accept that. (laughs) But again, it's space in the episode to do something, have it mean something. It would take like three lines for us to establish what we're supposed to take away from it. Yeah. Ugh. Could have especially been. like if it was he was he especially like there you didn't do anything much you didn't do much with Cordelia Wesley had something to do Cordelia could have grounded Angel's some kind of dynamic like she called she she also like easily inserts herself into Angel Gunn storylines because she's like empathetic towards both of them and going to help them communicate as boys who don't know how to talk to each other like it it would have worked I the whole thing. It, it it I and it and it makes it seem like we just hate it because I and I don't because of Jadon. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Jadon, the hair and the necklace. Like there was yeah, yeah. The the earthing line. There's so many cute things. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is why it is not close to being the worst episode of Angel. It's a del- <laughs> it's a delight. <laughs> But maybe the most confounding or frustrating, the most like uncanny valley, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Because she just doesn't work top to bottom. This works. The pitch is there. (laughs) Like, there's a reason they approved the plot idea. And like, like, old, just tell me what the shroud does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me in the most. Tell me what the shroud does. Tell me what Kate does. Kate, what do you do successfully, (laughs) quickly? She's she's really good at being like frustrated and mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like she's like a, a teenager. She's like an angsty teenager. And maybe that could have even been an interesting angle. Like now that her dad's out of the picture, like you know, she's got to grow up. She's got to stop acting like this. Who are you rebelling against? But you know, we didn't do any of that. Instead, Kate's just like, I hate that I only see you at night. And then she falls over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So are we at the very end? Yeah, we're at the yeah. end. Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> so what do we want to grade this episode? <laughs> Meredith, what do you give it? I'm like, I still want to only give it a C minus. <laughs> because I'm like, why is this thing? I think because it almost works. This is one of those top 20 that I can, I, I mean, it's, I'm going to give it a C minus for weird happy moment reasons like a few here and there yeah glasses catching stuff like that yeah um ashley what do you give it so i started with a b minus but the more we talked about it the more confused i got (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna bump it down to a c plus because i do enjoy an episode where people aren't acting like themselves that there are crazy things happening but it just gets really muddy and confusing and kim where are we at I also started with a B minus, but I'm going all the way down to a C. I, I, I feel that. I feel that. I feel like I'm going to give this a C minus and only 
not because it's actually unwatchable, but only because it's so close to being a good episode and minor things would have debumped the grade up maybe two grade points. So like, it makes me so much more mad that I'm rounding (laughs) down. You know what? (laughs) And you'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite scene, Kim, go again. We're going to go with uh, Cordy's little feminist outburst. Uh, where are we at on it, Ashley? Same. Cordy popping off about men. <laughs> and Meredith? I got to go with Jadon. He's my guy. Go <laughs> <laughs> to Jadon. Yeah, it's going to be a toss up between Jadon. And as much as I really appreciated the feminist rant, I have to go with the earth. Leave your yes. leave your tombs earthed. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> God, Charisma Carpenter should never not be working. She should oh. be shooting things day to night. Agreed. Um, favorite outfit. Let's go with Ashley first. Um, I'm going to go with Angel in his Jadon outfit. I really liked the like blue suit. I feel that. Um, Meredith. So Gunn is wearing a sweatshirt that like, I think it's like zips up or something. There is something about a comfortable sweatshirt that, that sometimes I want to reach through the screen and like take it. And it's very simple, but it looks, it's worn well, it's worn beautifully. And I love it. I love some leisure wear, especially for a heist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kim. Cordy's very last outfit, specifically because she's still wearing that necklace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I also was going to go with the necklace, but you know what? I If it counts, I'm not sure if it counts. We will have to check in with the official host of this program and owner uh, if, it, if this is bylaw approved. But the haircut to me is an outfit all in and itself. I could not see anything else on screen. I think it counts. <laughs> Iconic. And honestly, the ability to, you know what? Art doesn't have to make you feel good. Art just has to make you feel. And that haircut <laughs> makes me feel something. I react. <laughs> I almost wanted to pick the shroud, but I felt like it's not true. I don't, I don't. (laughs) No, that stanky old thing. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, that was the shroud of Ramon. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Slayer Fest 98 audience. And please check out the Patreon. Yes. My favorite thing. Worth it. Can you all, can you, can our lovely hosts each tell us where we can find y'all on the internet? Yes, you can find me at youtube.com slash at Ryho. That's R-Y-H-O. I just came out with a video all about how Barbie lives her best life because she is child-free. And that's okay. And probably the reason why every kid should own a Barbie. I did this hour-long, in-depth investigation into the feminist politics of Barbie. And I am in drag as Barbie herself. And there's tons of uh, clips from Legally Blonde and The House Bunny. So if you want to get your nostalgia on, I've got something there for you. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. You're an adult. You know how to find me. And you can find me at Meredith Goldstein on Instagram. I would say Twitter or whatever it's called now, but just don't do that to yourself. Uh, My podcast is Love Letters. It's narrative stories about relationships and uh, one episode features features Ian, and it made me cry like four times in a good way. So um, it's a uh, it's a beautiful Sweet episode, uh, the 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 best. So um, yeah, love letters. You can find me at KimberlyAnnSouthwick.com. I'm still hanging out on Twitter at Kim and Joe South, and every Twitter replacement with the same handle. Yeah, we're all on 15 of these at this point, right? <laughs> Ashley? Um, you can find me on Instagram or threads at Cause I'm Feeling Fine. 
Um, and if you've heard of and are interested in a little masterpiece called Heartstopper, I do a podcast Ooh. called Why Are We Like This with a dear friend of mine, Alyssa, where we discuss each episode. Um, and we have a bunch of bonus episodes out where we talk about the comics and a bunch of other fun topics. We have some guests that come on and talk about it with us. And season two comes out in two days. So we are gearing up for our season two coverage. Um, you can find us everywhere at Why Are We Cast. Ooh, sounds amazing. Thank you all for listening. And you can find us on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. And you can listen to us on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Uh, maybe we should just do like a big bye all at once. Let's count to three. One, two, three. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs>